Welcome in to the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. Asta Gale here with my guy, Ben Brown, recapping Thursday Night Football. It was kind of electric, honestly. It was a lot of fun. This game was a ton of fun between the, the Bengals and the Cleveland Browns, between two number one overall picks, Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow. I, I thought this one was going to be a stinker, Ben, but it ended up turning into a bit of a shootout with the Browns coming up with the W in the end. Yeah, I mean, the ball was moving up and down the, the field quite well. It was actually pretty entertaining to watch. I'm glad both quarterbacks did play well, like you said. Um, I think jo- George actually summed it up best on Twitter. Joey Burrow's backdoor, so I got to go back to the gambling take. He did get to the window for all those Bengals backers, plus six coming through there at the end, a little garbage time action. So, I don't know. It was a, it was a pretty interesting game. I know he took a ton of, uh, ton of hits personally i think how many times did he end up dropping back did you say his number was at 68 total dropbacks he was under pressure 31 percent of the time i mean this guy (laughs) so many reps it was very up tempo like joe burrow yep threw the ball 61 times most we've ever seen from a rookie quarterback in a single game since 2006 that's when pff started charting this like that's just absolutely absurd for the quarterback position recap the game cleveland browns win this one 35 30 cincinnati Bengals pull off the plus six cover through the back door i think a huge storyline for me are from a fantasy perspective is nick chubb and kareem hunt in this one nick chubb 22 carries 124 yards and two touchdowns kareem hunt 10 carries 86 yards and one touchdown i know kevin cole on the dfs showdown slate he talked about how Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were a stack, a contrarian stack to take advantage of. I think if you leverage that, you'd be in a good spot in this one. Those two backs were really impressive for me. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have like that negative correlation, so you're not going to find them in too many lineups. So it definitely would have been a pretty good play from this showdown perspective especially, and I definitely think that would have paid off. I should check some of my contests after year to see what actually ended up uh, hitting at the top of those DFS contests. Another fantasy note, I think, you know, CJ Uzum, Uzama went down uh Drew Sample seemed to get pretty heavily involved after that point I know he wasn't necessarily the greatest receiver coming out of Washington but they definitely drafted him uh, I think like 52nd overall second round so pick so they definitely have uh something that they definitely like about him he was able to at least generate some sort of separation I don't know exactly how he was able to do that but um he's a guy you know I think he could be a pretty popular ad here as well because I do think Burrow is definitely targeting him more than he was um you know, basically it was Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. Of course, AJ Green got what 13, 13 targets or something, turned that into three catches. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts uh, on AJ Green at this point in the offense. I do think T Higgins kind of took over that third receiver role tonight. I, th- I know he ran over 40 pass routes, pass routes. So um, do you see AJ Green kind of hanging on? Is he just kind of a shell of his former self at this point, or is he going to kind of turn it on here at some point? What are your thoughts? I, I mean, it's such an awful beat if you did start AJ Green in your lineups or in your redraft fantasy football leagues. 13 targets, three receptions for 29 yards. I, he Denzel Ward was at his back hip the entire game. He was also right. getting a, a hit a ton. A couple uh, murder balls thrown by Joe Burrow in these 61 times. Again, just it's absurd number. 61 times he threw the football. I think AJ Green is still a 
must start in most leagues. I, I think if you'd probably drafted him high, I mean, he's going to see a ton of volume. He's obviously Joe Burrow's top guy. He didn't come down with a ton of catches in this one, but you have to expect positive regression here. I mean, AJ Green, I don't think is a shell of himself. I think he went, went up against one of the better corners in the NFL, better young corners in the NFL and Denzel Ward. However, uh, I'm interested in the C.J. Uzama news as well. I think if you watch the, the Twitter clip of his Achilles curling back into his back, the back of his Ugh. knee, it is brutal to watch, but he won't be returning this season, I would expect. Meaning Drew Sample, A.J. Green, and Tyler Boyd are probably going to be those guys um, that finish high in volume from a target perspective for Joe Burrow moving forward. I, I want to jump back to the Browns offense a little bit. We saw in this one, Baker really spread the ball around a ton. The, the receiver that finished with the most targets was Odell Beckham, six targets, four receptions, 74 yards, and the touchdown. Um, what was your opinion of kind of the distribution, the target distribution for Cleveland today? Yeah, I mean, I thought Baker looked really good, to be honest with you. This was kind of the game that people wanted to see from Baker, and I think he actually stepped up. He obviously found Odell Beckham um, deep on that one shot. Odell was kind of, you know, fighting his rhythm a little bit. It seemed like Jarvis Landry wasn't necessarily as involved um, as we would have expected. He's not necessarily really the possession receiver in this offense that a lot of people project him out to be. He's just not really generating those targets um, that we would kind of expect from him. So it is kind of, you know, it was kind of the Odell show tonight and a lot of it mixed in with Kareem Hunt. And I, you know, Nick Chubb basically carried the offense here. So we'll see if they're able to actually play um, from a game script perspective, like they actually want to play here um, in games coming up. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. Of course, they obviously want to do more of a ground and pound thing, especially if they can do that to like how they perform tonight. But um, I think they're probably going to end up in a lot more or battles where they're going to have to actually have Baker Mayfield uh, step up and make some throws. And I would like to see Jarvis Landry probably get a little more involved here as well. So we'll see. I don't know. Um, Austin Hooper still really isn't a thing in the Browns offense either. He was a guy that I really liked both of his unders tonight for the player prop action. Um, both of those definitely hit. So I think those he's kind of looking at some inflated numbers related to his projections at this point. And I think those are only going to be uh, more profitable for people because I don't really see him getting too involved in this offense. For some reason, uh, Baker's really not looking his, his direction whatsoever. So I think there's a lot of uh, positives to take away from the Browns offense, but it mainly happened, you know, on the running game, running side sort of thing. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to be uh, the path for success coming up here for them later on in the season. So it'll be two props. Two props that I saw on PFS Player Prop Stool, which you, if you are an elite subscriber, you do get access to. And I, I'd say it's a revelation. It's awesome to be able to adjust prices, adjust lines to see where the value is. There's one uh, heavy edge on the Nick Chubb over eight and a half receiving yards. He finished on one reception, nine yards in this one. That was easy money in the bank. The other prop that we really liked was over 1.5 passing touchdowns for Joe Burrow, which also hit in this one with three touchdowns in this game. I, I thought both those props look good. I think the last thing I want to of note on this game specifically is Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt moving forward, starting them in DFS lineups or starting them in redraft fantasy football leagues. My opinion, I still think the snap share is a concern for either of these guys to be true bell cow type of backs. I don't think you're going to see either back see more than 60% of the offensive snaps uh, through the season, unless one of them does get healthy. I think where you do see starter potential for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt moving forward is in when they are in these games against really bad defenses where they should beat up beat them up in the run game. That's when both of these backs can be fine, not financially fantasy values. And I think, um, that that's where I'm leaning with Nick Chubb. I know he was drafted at the back end of round one, top of round two in most leagues. 
I don't think he's a must start every week type of back, just knowing that he's going to split snaps with Kareem Hunt. But when you do see a advantageous matchup for this Browns team, when they are going against the Bengals again or other bad teams on their schedule, that's where I feel like Nick Chubb is a mismatch advantage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I talked a little bit about it in our player props article because I actually wrote up Nick Chubb's under yardage prop. That was the only uh, miss or uh, that I had on the player prop article tonight. But mm-hmm. um, there is definitely not enough volume for both of these backs to be fantasy relevant. I would say in the majority of matchups, like you said, obviously it's going to be very game script dependent, but even choosing which one is potentially going to you know meet his fantasy expectation for that given game is going to be going to feel like a guessing game for the majority of owners so it's pretty tough to peg down this backfield at this point obviously the browns enjoy the fact that they have two high quality running backs but it's kind of a detriment to fantasy owners at this point unfortunately so thankfully it might be a situation to avoid for most weeks in dfs especially if they're on the main slate unless you can kind of identify uh you know specific trends within their utilization reports which maybe uh some of our articles up on pff fantasy can maybe point you in the right direction in those cases so yeah what i found interesting with their usage was early in the game it was a bulk majority of nick chubb and then you saw the goal line opportunities all go to nick chubb and then later in the game you you saw kareem hunt get more carries than obviously kind of not necessarily garbage time touchdown, but really what put the game away was that touchdown by Kareem Hunt late in the game. Looking ahead now, we're done talking NFL. We're done recapping this game. I think the key takeaways are that the Baker Mayfield-led Browns aren't complete dumpster fires. There is some fancy relevance here, and they should be favored in a few more games this season. And Joe Burrow, though his yards per attempt was low, there were passes he'd like to have back. I I thought um, the sack fumble was terrible. Like He has to see that rush coming off the right side. Both his right guard and right tackle got absolutely obliterated. I still think you saw a lot of positives in this game. I mean, throwing 61 passes and still looking like he belonged in the NFL was impressive in my opinion. Looking ahead to college football, I wanted you to highlight one game, because this is a bad slate of games, Ben. There is not a lot of fun games. It is ugly. (laughs) There's not a lot of fun games on the slate for Saturday, but if you had to highlight one game and maybe a bet or two in that game, what are you looking at uh, for Saturday? Yeah, so Tulsa, Oklahoma State, they both open up their seasons. Total has risen up to 66. Um, I've been targeting unders like crazy throughout college player props some nfl that that hasn't been as good unfortunately but these these unders have been profitable from a betting perspective for both player props we saw tonight i was targeting a number of player props tonight total went what 65 points and we still had a number of player props hit under so there's just market inefficiencies at this point that people can definitely uh used to profit so i'm definitely liking the under in oklahoma state versus tulsa i do think that neither offense is necessarily that great we have tulsa 98th overall in our offensive rankings we have oklahoma state 44th um i do think that the majority of cash and ticket percentages are both on the over so i do think going that opposite direction kind of moving against that market movement that's kind of already happening you're getting a key number basically when that um total crossed 65 65 and a half so getting that 66 i think is uh one of the better bets for this weekend slate of games but like you said it is it is light it is thin it is kind of a ugly ugly slate of games but next week we got the sec coming up here so things are starting to turn around look promising for college football here i think we're gonna have a lot to talk about uh heading in you know we're gonna have big 10 back here pretty soon as well maybe the pac-12 gets going so we could have a full-on national championship here coming up here maybe just a month or so delayed i guess we'll figure out what they all get in a row so are you what bets (laughs) are you like 
I can hear from this college football slate. I know you got your eye on at least one. Can't sit around all day Saturday with no eye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think you're, you hate to see it, but we're both rooting for unders here. I got another under that I really like. If you look at PFF Greenline, which is another tool made available to PFF's elite subscribers, I like the under in the Miami-Louisville game, which I know Mikael Cunningham, Pierre King, like everyone wants to root for the over in this game. And you see here uh, right now 50% of the tickets are on the under and 50% on the over, but 67% of the cash is on the under. You can get it at 64.5. I know Bovada has it at 65. Greenline has that at a 1% value or 1% implied value. I, I like the under in this game because I think the public wants to root for scoring in this one. It's right. two quarterbacks that are prolific. I, I, I'm looking forward to watching this game. I think there will be a ton of points scored, but I don't think it's enough to get over this 64.5. A lot of the times that you see these numbers hit uh, go up this high it's hard to meet those expectations, especially in you know week two, week three of college football. Like these, these teams are still knocking rust off. I think the Miami defense is better than maybe we're giving credit for in this number. Right. Um, I don't think Mikhail Cunningham's going to be able to have the day that you know some people think. If you look at PFF ELO ranking, the Miami defense right now in the ACC ranks third. I, that's how good they are from a defensive perspective in their own conference. I, I think this Miami defense is getting underrated against Mikhail, Mikhail Cunningham and Louisville. And for that reason, I think this number stays under that 64 and a half, 65 mark. Right. Yeah. I guess the only big concern is of course that Louisville defense, which we do have as yeah. 12, <laughs> 14 teams, basically in the ACC, Derek King, you know, hasn't necessarily played exceptionally well i would say from an offense perspective they did have you know basically the 73.1 passer grading um 5.5 percent big time throws no turnover really plays but some of that kind of plays into uh this under happening as well so we'll see i do agree with you i do think the miami hurricanes defense is probably underrated just a little bit from our system so We'll see if we're able to get any sort of action here with Louisville. But I did make a call on the Tuesday night podcast saying I'd rather have Mikel Cunningham than Derek King. I hope I don't have to eat those words here on Saturday. So <laughs> I am hoping that the Cardinals at least make it uh, a game here at this point. So if you wanted Absolutely. to bet on the spread, I guess I would probably lean slightly towards Louisville now that they're minus two and a half. Um, I do think that's probably a decent number. But yeah, Greenlight doesn't really have value on this game. Unfortunately, there's just... Slim pickings from both a betting and a viewing perspective, I think, for this college football slate. But that doesn't mean we're not <laughs> we'll make getting it good work, action. Yeah. We'll make it work. We we're going to find a way. We're going to find a way to enjoy college football on Saturday. All right, that's going to do it for PFF's Daily Betting Podcast, the Thursday or Thursday night, Friday morning edition. We're going to continue to deliver on the PFF Daily Betting Podcast every single day, looking at NFL and NCAA betting, props, DFS, fantasy. There's a ton to go around. There's a ton of money to be had, but that's going to do it for today's podcast. It's Austin Gale, Ben Brown on the PFF Daily Betting Podcast.